The End of Average by Todd Rose. One sentence summary. The End of Average explains the fundamental flaws with our culture of averages, in which we design everything for the average person when that person doesn't exist, and shows how we can embrace our individuality and use it to succeed in a world that wants everyone to be the same. My favorite quote from the author is... The hardest part of learning something new is not embracing new ideas, but letting go of old ones. Todd Rose Do you know nacho jokes? We used to make them all the time when I was studying in the US. For example, when I suggested a place to eat to my friends and they were skeptical, I would say, guys, this is nacho average restaurant we're talking about here. Nacho, not yo, equals not your. Get it? There's a super fun clip of two nacho chips talking on YouTube, too. Over time, the phrase nacho average has even turned into a meme, and according to this book, you should probably pay attention any time you spot it. Todd Rose has dedicated himself to debunking the myth of average, something he's passionate about because he himself couldn't be further from an average life. After dropping out of high school, he eventually obtained his GED, an alternative form of high school diploma started taking night classes, and went on to get not just a PhD, but a PhD from Harvard. As it turns out, averages are useless. So, if you've been busy polishing your resume to fit the average criteria of recruiters, it might be worth stopping for a few minutes and learning about where average has led us historically. Here are three lessons about averages from someone who's not show average author. 1. There is no way to build something for the average human body, because it doesn't exist. 2. Your character traits are unrelated to how you learn, which means there aren't any average career paths. 3. Human behavior is fluid, not fixed, which means we must accommodate individuality. On average, it takes 4 minutes to see that averages are stupid. But who cares? It only matters how long it takes you. Let's find out. The end of average lesson one. Good luck with building something for the average human body, because such a thing doesn't exist. This answers the question, what happens when you try to build something that's very standardized? If I asked you to describe Brad Pitt's appearance in one word, how would you respond? It's impossible, right? Not just for Brad Pitt, but for anyone. I mean, how many anatomic features can you possibly highlight with one word? Tall just describes height, big usually refers to weight, blonde to hair color, and handsome, well, that could be more subjective, could it? When we describe human looks, we always fall back on describing a whole set of individual features, because there's no single word to squeeze the human anatomy into. That alone is a good indicator of how much we can learn from computing average human body features. Not much. All of these characteristics are completely unrelated to one another. Which is the reason knowing someone's height doesn't tell you anything about their weight, and vice versa. Yet, many companies have tried and failed to design products for the average human. For example, the US Air Force. In 1950, they measured 140 different dimensions of the bodies of over 4,000 pilots and used the average values to redesign their jet cockpits. The result? Not a single pilot fit into the standard cockpit. Even if you'd taken just the averages of three dimensions, only 3.5% of all pilots would have fit the average on all of them. 
Taking 140 dimensions made sure that absolutely no one would fit in. So if you've ever thought, how can I get this to fit the average about something, I suggest you toss that question out of your repertoire right now. The end of average lesson two. Who you are is totally unrelated to how you learn, which means there is absolutely no average career path you can follow. This answers the question, why are stereotypes really just myths? There's a phenomenon called the Flynn effect, which describes that on average IQ scores have risen by three points per decade. What does that tell you? Nothing, except that we've been getting better at filling out IQ tests. The upwards trend is the interesting part, not the average of the increase. As it turns out, averages aren't just useless when comparing human anatomy, but also when looking at the human mind. For example, in the 1980s, education researcher Benjamin Bloom developed a learning taxonomy that separated the speed of learning and knowledge retention. Just because you can remember things well does not mean you learn faster, or vice versa. How you learn and master new skills is completely unrelated to your character traits, which makes all stereotypes irrelevant, like nerds suck at sports or footballers are meatheads. But if there is no one right or wrong way to learn something, then there's also no perfect way to the work you aspire to. As the saying goes, all roads lead to Rome, meaning there are thousands, maybe millions of paths you can take to get to your goals in life. The end of average lesson three. Companies and people must learn to embrace human individualism because our behavior is fluid, not fixed. This answers the question, why should companies make a bigger effort to embrace the different natures of their employees? One thing I've learned about online marketing is that your content must always fit the context of the platform. For example, many people use Twitter to just post links to their blog posts, but that's not what it's for. It's supposed to deliver a message in 140 characters or less. That could be a wise line of thought, a joke, or even something newsworthy, but if it's just a link to an article, it's nothing more than an ad. For the same reason, I'm not a big fan of reposting my articles on other sites, unless I can somehow tweak and edit them to fit the context. What works well on my blog might not be a good fit for Medium, for example. With human behavior, it's the exact same. It changes depending on the context. Of course you act differently at work than you do at home. Who wouldn't? The fluidity of human behavior is something we as people and the companies we work for must come to understand. By over-obsessing about standard measurements like degrees and grades, when hiring, businesses miss out on the unique abilities we bring to the job that no one would hire us for. That's why companies like Facebook, Google and Microsoft spend millions of dollars on research and creating flexible work environments to accompany the entire spectrum of human behavior, not just the average. Let's hope that this trend continues. Here's what I learned from The End of Average by Todd Rose. I like this. This reminds me of the summary for a book I did yesterday, which is called Everything I Know by Paul Jarvis, where he basically says, you know what, just screw everything anyone else says, forget books or rules of the game or what you know, what you think is common sense quote unquote in your industry forget all of that just focus on your own experiences your own life focus on having fun and making a difference right here right now 
be be helpful in small ways to the people you already know and then the rest will figure itself out right and just focus on what you know your own unique human experience and this is very much in line with that it also reminds me a bit of originals by adam grant which i guess this book says average is useless and then adam grant's book is what do you do instead like how do you become an original right so it's it's similar but one comes from the what's what's not the case and the other says like okay here's sort of where to go with that i think originals is probably a good follow-up by uh, adam grant to listen to or read after this one so i really just wanna um piggyback on one point basically so we learned Average human body doesn't work. Um, fascinating, right? I mean, you think that they said, okay, so the average human pilot is like uh, 170, so let's say, uh, or let's say six feet, uh, and then and then the shoulder width is this much, and the girth is this much, and so on and so on and so on, shoe size this much, da 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 da. And then they took the average of that, and then in the end, no pilot fit in because every pilot deviated from the average in various of these criteria. Like fa fascinating to think that sort of that this thing could like backfire, but obviously you can over-average stuff. Um, uh, second part, obviously, we all know the computer nerd who loves to play video games, but is somehow also really good at sports. I think like my sister's boyfriend is a great example. He loves video games, and he's a huge quote-unquote nerd for all that kind of stuff but he's he studies sports like he's really good at sports so um we all know someone who defies those standards it's just that because we see a certain amount or maybe more than half the people in that arena that we know maybe fit this sort of stereotype that's why we think oh yeah like we take it for granted for all people of that nature and that's just stupid obviously um and then lastly yeah i, I really like to bounce around between ideas and um and attitudes and all that stuff you've probably seen me t contradicting myself at least 50 times uh throughout these summaries alone if you listen to to a bunch of them or through my writing i mean sometimes i say yeah work really hard sometimes i say just be grateful do something nice for yourself relax sometimes i say sleep more sometimes i say sleep less sometimes it all fits the context right and by the way, it also fits the context of when the person reads that, right? Because sometimes I needed to hear you need to stop slacking and sleep less and 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 stop slacking off so much and wake up early and just get to work. And sometimes I needed to hear, you know what, you really need to give yourself a break and, and catch your breath and just, you know, sleep in for a couple of days, take some time off and so on, right? It all depends on where you are in your journey right now. So... That said, the point I want to piggyback off is basically stealing an idea from Seth Godin. So if average doesn't really exist, right? So it does exist mathematically and we can compute it and so on, but it's really rather useless of an idea, right? For, uh, for most cases, it just doesn't work. So what, but we perceive average, right? We see it everywhere, right? So what, what's, what's going on here? What's happened? What's happening? So I think that what happens when let's say let's say I, I can tell from personal experience like when i try to i had phases on medium for example where i tried to write stuff that's popular right so i did everything i could to make it popular right to get more recommends or claps or, or shares and all that kind of stuff because i really wanted my audience to grow so i would say i would look around medium and i would look at what's popular right so i would look at 
um, other articles uh, from the self-improvement side. I would uh, talk to friends who write articles that have been successful. I would look at the headlines, the design, what kind of points they're making, and so on and so on. Sometimes they would write blog posts about how they write their posts, so I would learn from those, and so on. So what happens is basically just groupthink, right? It's groupthink, or it's also called herd behavior. You follow the herd. You do what a lot of other people are doing because that seems to be what a lot of other people are doing, right? The sole reason is actually that you follow other people because you hope that the majority of people is right. And you don't want to think for yourself, so you do it. You, so you do what everyone else does. So you because you think that they hopefully will be right, and that will work out. And that's really what average is, right? Average is just groupthink. It's just following the herd. Because when a lot of more, the more people, it's like it all. It all starts with one guy who writes that one article that's really successful, and then everyone starts copying it, right? And it starts with another another single guy or girl who follows that recipe and says, "Okay, let me try to copy that." And then another person does it, and another person does it, and with each. Which with each copied version of that article, basically, it works a little less and a little less and a little less because people have seen it before. And over time, these sort of standards develop where everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that article. That's what you have to do to get a good headline. That's what you have to do to um, get people to read your article. That's It should be six minutes long and it should have this amount of bolding and this amount and this many pictures and so on and so on. And eventually, the more people, the more the bigger this trend grows, the more people follow, and then we get this sort of this sort of regress to the mean, where everybody is is in the direction goes in the direction of average. Um, when that thing really just it's it's self made. It's like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? So that's what happens, and it's happened to me too. Uh, I do it. I think we all do it at times. And um, I want to tell you what the problem is with that, and that's really where uh, Seth Godin comes in. And Seth Godin says. What do you do when you want to find out where to get a really nice handbag? What do you do? And depends on how old you are, I guess. But at this point, most people probably say, you know what? I go on Google or Amazon maybe. And you put in handbag or whatever it is, whatever specific type of handbag you want. You put in handbag. And then on Google, you get 10 results, right? It's the first page. And then... What do you do? Well, you look at the ads, obviously, because Google has the ads up top. And then you look at, say, the first one, two, three results. And you say, hmm, like, okay, you click on a link here, click on a link there, you check it out. And then you probably decide, right? Or you want a specific brand, then you Google that. But basically, what it comes down to is Google shows you only the best of the best of the best of the people making handbags. And so you get a selection of two or three links that have a chance of selling you a handbag online who are, by definition, the best, right? Because, well, Google is pretty good at its job, so they're, you can expect them to be pretty good at least. Um, so they land very high on Google. But what happens to the rest of the first 10 results, like seven, like result number 7 or 8 or 9? Or what happens on the second page? Well, there's a saying, uh, If uh, it's, it's really funny, it's like, if I ever had to hide a dead body, I would put it on the second page on Google, right? Because no one ever goes there. So really, it's, we're not, we're, we're not choosing average, right? So that's not what's happening. Because if only the best get to the top of Google, and you can do that for any, you can do that very specifically, right? So if you put in your town, let's say you live in um, Kentucky, right? So you would put in, uh, Kentucky handbag store 
then you would get maybe the top, top two or three handbag stores in Kentucky and that's it. And then you make your choice among those and done. So there's no way average works, right? Because if everybody in Kentucky tried to make the same handbag store that's across the street, then some random stores would rank on Google, but all the others would get left out in the cold and it wouldn't work. So it's really who, the question Seth asks is who picks average? You don't want average, right? Because you don't, you don't, there's no need to, to get average because you can have the selection of anything you want like that with the snap of your finger, you get thousands of results and you get them filtered and you get the best one right out of the gate. So you don't pick the average sushi restaurant. You pick this best sushi restaurant that's available to you at your price. So what Seth really does argue for is uh, two things. You want to be the best and um, you you don't just want to be the best at what you do, but you want to be the best in the world. Now, here's where it gets interesting because you might say, funny, right? How should I be the best handbag company in the world? Well, what Seth says is that both of these things are subjective. The best is subjective and the world is subjective. So if you're in Kentucky and you're in a certain part of Kentucky, then your suburb of Kentucky, for example, that is your world. And you, if you do the best you can to be the best handbag, and maybe that's just tiny leather purses for men, then that's uh, your world. And that's the, then that's the section where you need to be best. So it's very, very subjective and you can go very small in defining your world and what best means. And once you do that, you have a, you will find a community that's big enough that can fund you for the rest of your life with your business or your stuff. So no need to try and go for average and model what, I don't know, Armani does, for example. All right, this has gotten way longer than I actually wanted to, turned into a little bit of a rant. Um, I hope you enjoyed anyways. Uh, the end of average, Todd Rose, cool book, obviously. And I will see you on one of the next summaries.